welcome to our Kingdom Culture Podcast. For today's message, we are thankful for what God is doing through this podcast to encourage and transform lives around the world. If you have a story to share about how God has encouraged or transformed your life through this podcast, we would love to hear about it by emailing us at mystory@kingdomculture.ca. If you would like to support this ministry financially to help us bring messages like this to you every week, you can do so online at kingdomculture.ca at the Give option. We also would love to connect with you on our social media, on Instagram and Twitter at KC Ottawa, and Facebook at Facebook slash Kingdom Culture Ottawa. We pray that you would experience God today and be encouraged through today's message. Enjoy! Well, I feel like I have a word for you this morning, and I'm excited to share this word. And it's based out of Romans chapter 8, verse 28. Let's go there. We're going to dive right into this. Romans 8, verse 28. Probably a a verse you've heard before. But we're going to dive a little bit deeper into this verse because I feel like there's so much good in this one verse that if we could get it, it will literally change the way we see life presently and the way we see our life in the past. And ultimately, if we see right in the present and we can see the past right, we'll have a clear, bright future ahead because we'll see it right. Because we're not being tainted or tarnished by the present or tainted or tarnished by the past. Romans 8, chapter chapter 8, verse 28. Paul is talking to the church of Rome. By the way, Romans is considered theologically one of the richest books in Scripture. So I want to encourage you. I mean, there's so many rich books in Scripture, in the New Testament at least, so many, and, uh, but this is considered one of the richest as far as like the depth of understanding of what we need as believers. So I want to encourage you to dive into the book of Romans, but Romans chapter 8, verse 28. We'll get into context in a little bit. I want to, I want to read the verse first. It says here, and we know that God, we know that God causes everything to work together. It's a powerful statement. It doesn't say that we know that God causes only good things to work together, right? It doesn't say that God only causes bad things, ugly things, okay things. He says God causes all things. The word is everything. God causes everything to work together for the good of those who love God and are called according to his purpose for them. As we dive into this, I want to propose this thought, I want to propose this to you, that could it be that every failure in life, every conflict, every legal battle, every betrayal you've ever been through, every relational breakdown, every dark season, every valley, everything that has ever felt unfair, every single loss that you have taken a hit by or crisis or trauma, literally every hard moment, could it be that because God is so redemptive and if you would just allow him to let that redemptive nature come through, that you will actually be able to experience good from it. I don't believe God causes it. Life happens. It's bad theology, theology that says, well, God lets you go play in traffic so you can break a bone so he can heal you to teach you a lesson. Don't play in traffic, but I got, I'm, good, I'm good with grace, so I'll still heal you. God redeems and God restores and God reconciles. It doesn't mean that God makes crisis happen to you. You are just promised that you live in a life of crisis. Crisis will happen to you, but I'm a redemptive God, and I'll make good come out of it. I'll turn lemons into lemonade. I'll make something sweet come out of something bitter. I'll just do that. I'm just the miracle-working God. 
So I'm not necessarily, I'm not causing it. I'm not necessarily stopping it. Some would say, well, then he's causing it. No, life happens. We've been given a free will. We live in a life where things come against us, but God has a promise that he'll be with us when things come against us. That we are more than a conqueror when things come at us. So I'm not saying, like I said, God caused it. Life happens. There is a war over your life that literally is happening every day. And I believe that at the end of the day, it's God's heart to have certain perspectives that keeps us going and keeps us growing in life, maturing, going deeper. And that perspective looks like that after every hard season, after every single hard season, we can confidently say these words. I want you to say it with me. It's all good. It's all good. It's all good. It's all good. This is, this is the language of heaven right here. To be able to say it's all good when everything feels ugly and bad. Because I can see through redemptive eyes how God is going to make it good. And if I can see how he's going to make it good, therefore I can stand strong and say it's all good. Because it will turn out into my favor because it's a promise over my life that if I love him and he's my priority and I know I'm called according to his purpose, that means all these things that suck right now will turn out good. I've said it over and over again, you need crop for a crop. The farmers know about it. They've, they've, they've figured out the secret. A little bit of crop becomes fertilizer for the crop. And so when it smells bad in your life, it's a sign that something good is being prepared for you. When it's hard in your life, it's a sign that there's some sort of breakthrough moment around the corner. But sometimes we give up before the corner. It smells too bad. We plug our nose. We walk away. I don't want this. I want the exit door. Show me the, sh sh show me the way out of this situation. But God's like, no, you need some crap for the crop. You actually need this right now. It's going to fertilize something. You don't like it. It smells bad. It's disgusting. You don't like it. You don't like where it came from. But, hey, it's really good for you right now. And if you just give it time, eventually you'll see the harvest that I've promised you will see. This is God's promotion plan. In everything, make your love for God's kingdom first. Serve every season like he is the reason why you are serving. And you watch how God promotes you in that season. When it's hard, you watch how harvest and crop come out of that season when you give 110%. I'm not saying you give 110% of your time. It's like Paul said, pray with, I pray without ceasing. He's not saying I'm praying 24 hours a day 100% of the time. He just means I'm God conscious all the time. God's always on my mind. He's always on my mind. Conscious, I'm consciously thinking about God, meditating on God, including God, inviting God into every scenario, every season, every journey. Therefore, I can say confidently, I really pray without ceasing because I'm always in conversation. I'm always in conversation. So whatever you're going through, Whatever you're going through, if you're including God and you're looking at the situation like it's an opportunity for you to even serve God deeper, give 110%, you will find promotion in that season. So many of us miss promotion because we don't like the season that we're in. I don't like my job. I don't like my boss. I don't like my leader. I don't like my coworkers. I don't like where I live. I don't like my neighbors. It's hard. It's not fun. They're rubbing me the wrong way. They're just called grace growers. That's what they're called. Everybody that you don't like in your life is just simply growing your ability to have grace for them. 
your ability to have grace for yourself. It's growing your ability to see that God has grace for you. You've not always been so awesome. Therefore, you can extend that grace to others. You know, and I want to I speak this over the house, that in this season, you're going to be able to see all the trauma, all the crisis from a lens of redemption. Because some of us, we stay there. You guys listen, bitterness I've heard it said like this, bitterness is like drinking poison and hoping the person that actually poisoned you dies. Holding bitterness almost like to say like, you're going to be punished by my bitterness, but who you're really punishing is yourself. A bitter root will destroy and create a whole bunch of rotten fruit. And nobody likes rotten fruit. That's not the kind of crap that we want. We want good fruit. We want good fruit, healthy fruit. And if that root isn't in check, if bitterness is at the core, at the root, not letting it go, I'm not saying that you're not going to feel bitter in seasons. You will feel bitter in seasons. But you're not called to stay in bitterness. People will mess up. The church will mess up. I'm not saying the institution. Let me just tell you this. Let me free you from something. The church has never hurt you. The way you see the church, it's the people within the church, and people are everywhere you go. They've hurt you. We should start changing our language from the church hurt me to people hurt me. Because wherever you go, whether it's in business, whether it's a believer in business, they're, they're the church then. So it's not just people say they think it's the institution of church, which I don't believe it's an institution. Yes, man has made it like an institution. And there are some elements of that in the world we live in right now because of religion but ultimately, the way God sees the church, always, it always has been this, is the people. The people. So I'm just declaring over you that in this season, you're going to see redemption in a way you've never seen before. With redemption as the core, as a core nature of who God is, I have learned to see God's promotion in every season. And promotion is not always like a physical, tangible thing like, here, here's a fat check or or here's a new position, responsibility, you know, great new purpose in life to fulfill a new goal that's being set before you. Promotion starts on the inside. Starts on the inside. When you've been able to prove your character to handle what God wants to give you. Some of us, our character is way far behind our promotion. So we want the promotion, but we're not willing to pay the price and do the hard work on the inside. Because the hard work is always the heart work. The deep heart work, that really feels hard at times. That's where the promotion starts. That's where it begins, on the inside. We live from the inside out if we're living kingdom. Now, some manuscripts read, and I've kind of already read the scripture that kind of words it like this, but in that verse, verse 28, chapter 8, it's the, most manuscripts read, and we know that everything works together. And it's important that I reemphasize that because sometimes we think that it's only certain things that can work together. Like how can, how can something so traumatic, traumatic in life or feel like so much of a crisis in life actually work to my benefit? Like how can it? Like you don't know what I'm a victim of. You don't know what's happened to me. You don't know the kind of abuse I went through. And I don't. I don't. But I know God does. And I know God is so good that even within that, he can turn something so bad and make it something so powerful. You know, some of the most powerful people on the planet have gone through some of the most powerful dark seasons of their life. 
but they chose the difference between those that stay there and those that are redeemed through it are those that choose to see the perspective of God can take this hard season and turn something good out of it, and now I can actually bring light and hope to people all around me. And I'm now seeing the benefit, even though it's hard. I don't want anybody to go through what I went through, but here's the reality. Life happens, so they will, and they may just go through it. So while we're in it and living, why don't we make the best of it, best of it and actually see breakthrough happen for other people the way that we've seen it in our life? Say it again. Say it again with me. It's all good. This needs to be something that's in our head all the time when it comes to the various seasons that we're in. Romans 8, verse 28. I'm going to break this down a little bit deeper for you. We know that God causes everything. Let's stop there. Everything. That word everything, you know what it means? It means everything. It means every kind of thing. That actually the definition in the Greek is every kind of thing. Just to elaborate even more that I'm not just making this stuff up, that manuscripts say that everything, everything means every kind of thing. So think of every kind of thing and say, wow, putting God's redemption on that, something good could come out of it. That's amazing. That's incredible. It says God causes everything to what? Work, say it with me, work together. That word work together means to cooperate. It means to basically, like the Greek word, the most The closest English word to the Greek word is actually synergy. To synergize together. To cooperate with one another. That God is so good, so redemptive that he causes everything, all kinds of things, to synergize with one another. To actually come into rhythm. To function together. Like how can this crisis and this trauma and this amazing mountaintop good thing, how can they all synergize together to turn something even something kind of bad into something even greater? I'll tell you how it's God. He's a miracle working God. uh, Excuse me. Then it says this, for the good, for the good, the benefit. That's what the word is, the benefit. The benefit. So are you saying that this bad thing could become a benefit for me? Absolutely. With redemptive eyes, through time, this really bad thing could be something that actually benefits you later on. Doesn't benefit you while you're going through it. Doesn't benefit you while you're a victim of it. But when you get through it, when you get healed in it, that thing, whatever it is you went through with a little bit of redemption on top of that, will bring benefit to your life. A spoonful of redemption will help all the crisis go down. I just did a Mary Poppins quote, but I kind of changed it up a little bit. Drink a little bit of redemption every day, and eventually that crisis will go down, and it will turn into something good. Some of you don't like this, but it's the way God is. He's so good. We want to stick to it. It's impossible for anything good to come out of this. I would beg to differ. It says here, it says here causes everything to work together for the good of those who are called, who love God and are called. That word called literally means invited or appointed. So if you love God, if God is number one in your life, and you know you've been called, and you can see the calling of God. Listen, I'm going to give you the greatest key ever to get through crisis. When you see the calling of God in the midst of your crisis as the, as the thing that's directing traffic, and of course God is at the center of that calling, you will be able to get through that crisis a lot quicker than if you don't. Because you'll see your purpose within the pain. When you, when, if your purpose is painted over your crisis, it will be a lot easier to see your purpose 
in the midst of your pain. But if you have no purpose and you can't see what God is doing redemptively when you're in the crisis, all you will see is the pain, and the pain will blind you and take you out. When you are going through crisis, like pain has a way of making you drunk and intoxicated. It has a way of blurring the lines. It has a way of making everything gray. It has a way of derailing. It has a way of blinding. It has a way of discouraging so deeply that depression's only on the other side of it. It has a way of getting you into a place of paralysis to not be able to move forward. Because if you can't see purpose within the pain, you will always stay there and stay stagnant. Purpose. He says here, called according to his purpose. That literally means this, a setting forth in advance for a specific purpose. I believe that everybody in this room has been set forth in advance for a specific purpose. In, the, in this context of Romans chapter 8, like if you read the beginning of Romans chapter 8, he's really comparing, he's juxtaposing this, this idea of great suffering that we're going to have because we live in this life on this planet. And yet, this great glory that's going to come one day, and in the midst of all of that, if we have that in mind, if we have eternal perspectives and eternity in mind, we'll be able to live out this scripture in verse 28 that all things will work together for those who love God and are called according to his purpose. That's the context of what Paul is speaking. It actually says in the Living Bible Translation he words the same verse in verse 28 this way, and we know that all that happens to us is working for our good if we love God and are fitting into his plans. Like I said, Paul compares the sufferings that we face in this life with the glory that will be, be revealed in us, and that's found in Romans chapter 8, verse 17 and 18. Let me read it to you. And since we are his children, we are his heirs. In fact, together with Christ, we are heirs of God's glory because we have an inheritance this is, this is having an eternal perspective. Because we have an inheritance, we'll be able to navigate these things a lot easier. But listen to this. But if we share, if we are to share his glory, we must also share his suffering. Yet what we suffer now is nothing compared to the glory he will reveal to us later. Because there will be suffering now. It's nothing compared to what's going to happen later. So he, he sets up the tone, he sets up the whole precedent with, like, this is why we can have a redemptive perspective to believe that all things can work together for the good of those who are called according to his purpose. Are you with me this morning? I mean, James grabbed a hold of this thought when he said, look at pain with a lens of joy in James chapter 1, verse 2. Consider it pure joy. I love it. He doesn't say joy. Like, the purest of joy. Like, 100% proof. Or whatever, whatever it would be. Hunter proof. Like, this is pure joy. Consider it pure joy. Not just joy. Pure joy. Like, this is like the potent stuff. Like, this is the real deal. Consider it untainted, untarnished. Pure joy. Like drinking coffee with nothing in it. Pure joy. Don't ruin it with your milk. Don't ruin it with your sugar. It's pure Consider it pure joy, listen to what he says here, brothers and sisters, whenever you, because you will, not if you, not if you face trials, whenever, because you will, whenever you face trials of many kinds, we see that word again, many kinds, all kinds of stuff, all kinds of things we don't like, all kinds of things will happen around us, to us, maybe even within us, 
Verse 3, because you know, listen to this, because you know that detesting of your faith produces perseverance. That in all of this, in all of this stuff right now that you don't like, there is something good on the inside of you being prepared. You are being tested because you're producing one of the most powerful attributes of the kingdom and values of the kingdom, that's perseverance. Because the only way you're going to make it to the end is perseverance. The only way you're not going to flake out like so many people around your life do is perseverance. When you don't want to, you get up. When you don't, it's like any discipline in life. Nobody likes going to the gym. I mean, honestly, if you're actually working out for real, nobody likes, you like how it feels afterwards, but no one likes the, the process leading up to it. And maybe there's exceptions in the room, but the majority of the time, majority of the time, no one's like, yes, I'm going to be in pain for the next two hours. I mean, for me, I used to go to the gym for like two hours every day. So no, no one likes that, 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 that lead up to like, oh, this is going to be so hard. You're in pain. It's early. You're uncomfortable. But you do it. You do it when you don't want to do it. Well, the only way you're going to live and last the long haul in your faith is by persevering when you don't feel like persevering. I think about everything that I've gone through as a believer, as a non-believer, as a leader, as a minister, as a pastor, a father, husband, and just by simply living a human life. And I'm like, man, thank God it's made me who I am. Like I have some regrets, some things that I'd like to do, like I would love to change, but I know I can't. I can't live there. There's moments of regret for me. But I'm like, man, it's made me who I am. Like I'm a better version of myself. Like I can't wait for the day I can thank all those that like, did the most damage to my life. Be like, thank you so much. You set me free from me. You set me free from me. You set me free from the need to find, to be liked. You set me free. Wow, you set me free. It's like Joseph. That's what Joseph did, really. You know that Joseph was abandoned by his brothers, his own family, his own crew. They threw him into a pit broke his favorite, you know, Armani jacket. They threw him into a pit, ripped it up, convinced the parents that they, he was dead. Then he was sold into slavery. And all that was part of God's promotion plan. Joseph somehow kept the dream and the purpose that he had as a 17-year-old boy at the center, painted over the top of his crisis and his pain. And in every season, Joseph somehow could see, there must be purpose in my pain. My brothers rejected me. My parents think I'm dead. I'm a slave now in Potiphar's house. And now I'm in prison. I've been falsely accused. But I'm going to manage the prison. Why am I going to manage the prison? Because somehow in every painful process, I could see my purpose literally literally over it and because of that I find favor with God wherever I am and one day I will be in a position like my dream told me I would be as a 17 year old boy and one day I'd have a reconciliation moment with my brothers and thank them as we did he thanked his brothers basically for betraying him because they were like distraught they're like man we did this to you like no 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 no. this is what you don't understand guys i have a redemptive perspective it's all good this is part of god's promotion plan and he went to his brothers who were weeping over two decades later didn't even recognize them at first that's how much time had passed and he's like you didn't send me here god sent me here to save your you know what 
Most powerful story in Scripture. I love, I, I would literally weep reading this story in Scripture. Like weep. My favorite story in Scripture. This ability to see redemption so good to forgive his betrayers like this. Guys, this is the gospel. That's what Jesus did. He's like, you didn't send me to the cross. The Father had a plan to send me to the cross to save your you-know-what. That's the gospel. Think of it this way in this season. Everything that you don't like in this season, it's not because people are doing it to you. It's not because what people aren't doing to you or are doing to you. God is promoting you. He's upgrading you. He's upgrading you. Your, your war is never here horizontally. It's always vertical. Your war is always upward. Your war is always, there is a battle that you're trying to break through in, and it's never down here. You think it's people, you see people, you see problems, but it's always up here. God is doing something on, on the inside of you. Let him do it. It's all good. It's God's promotion plan. I was talking to this guy recently in this leader in Canada, and he was just saying to me, man, like, I feel like I, last 10 years was so hard, it was so tough, and like, he was just opening up to me, and he was like, but I, did I just like, waste 10 years of my life? Like, did I have to go through that? Like, did I just waste it? I looked at him, I said, man, nothing's wasted. This is like a, you know, an, an older leader, and I said, nothing's wasted. I said, like, everything that you went through has made you who, for, who you are today. Like, you are the leader you are today, and you can do what you can do today, because you went through that. Could have God done it another way? Maybe, maybe not. I don't know. There's no, there's no point trying to figure that out. Could have God done it a different way? I don't know. Maybe. But God allowed that to happen. He didn't stop it from happening. So, hey, what if there's promotion in it? What if you're living promotion now because of it? And if you could just come into a place where you can say, it's all good because everything works together, I could see that now I am where I am because everything worked together even in the crisis, everything worked together to make me who I am today, the leader I'm called to be today. This is speaking to somebody today. I, I was recently in a place that I hadn't been for probably 20 years, and I'd probably spent, like, I'd probably been there 50 times in my life, and, and, uh, and it was actually in Huntsville, and uh, I spent a lot, of, a lot of time, and I have lots of good memories and lots of bad memories, and I remember driving in, this has never happened to me. This is like, this is so strange. I remember it was like an overload of, it was like an injection of adrenaline nostalgia. It's the only way I can describe it to you. I drive into this city that I had not been to probably in over 20 years. And I drive in and I felt so incredibly vulnerable and emotional. I was like on the verge of like a breakdown. Literally, I, was just, I don't even know why. I don't even like recognize half the stuff. Like, so much has changed. I'm driving in, and I could just feel, I felt the presence of God. I felt very emotional. And then I was reminded, like, all these flashbacks. I think there was lots of layers to the experience. But one of the things that came to me while I was driving in was, like, look how far you've come. Because I was remembering some of the bad things, some of the ways of thinking, some of the things that I was experiencing in that time. I was remembering myself. And, I, and I, I could just hear, I could just feel like the Lord was saying to me, like, look how far you've come. Like, like all things have worked together for the good of those who love me and are called according to my purpose. And I have a specific purpose for you. So look how I've taken all this stuff, all these lemons, and turned them into the most amazing lemonade in your life. Can you see it? 
And it just made, it just touched me so deeply. So deeply. At the core of living life from this scriptural vantage point of verse 28, which we need to live from. At the core of living life from the scriptural vantage point, we have two driving factors that we need to have in play. Loving God, that's what it says here, because he causes everything to work together for those, for the good of those who what? Love God. Because if you keep God at the center, you can see with redemptive eyes. If God isn't in play, you will not be able to see the good. Eventually, you may be able to, but not the way he wants to, to redeem it for your purpose. Loving God has to be at the center. Number two, keeping sight of the calling, mission, and purpose over your life. If these two are at play in every hard season or every good season, you will be able to experience the synergy that comes, the goodness that comes from both good and bad and ugly in your life without these driving your life you will fail over and over again to see the good when it feels bad let me say it like this you only see redemption where there is spiritual maturity driving your perspective you will only see redemption where there is spiritual maturity driving your perspective without this you may just feel and see regret over your life regret Write this down, is the offspring of seeing from the flesh, not the spirit. When I look, when I look at my life, this is, I would struggle more with this naturally. When I would look at my life and see regret, I know initially I'm just seeing in the flesh. Because I'm seeing what I cannot change. But if I see with spiritual eyes, I see what has changed. Woo! Way different. If I'm in regret, I'm only seeing what has not and cannot change. But if I see in the Spirit, I can see what has changed in my life and see it in a redemptive way so good can come out of it. Man. You know, with Job, you read the book of Job, but then one of the oldest books in the Bible is the book of Job. And we are left with more questions than answers in the book of Job, especially if you have a right new covenant theology. You're left with way more questions than answers. But the point is, he came out with proven character. We can look at the tragedy that was his life, the loss. He lost everything. The trauma. And magnify this to no end. Say it's unfair. How, how could there be a good God that would allow this to happen, not stop it from happening? And here's the thing. We never see 2020 when we're in it. We're, we're fighting to see it. That's, that's, that's the challenge, right? We're fighting to see 2020 while we're in something that's hard. We always see it after the fact. We're out of it, right? We're like, ha, that's awesome. Like, woo, thank God. But to see it inside of the thing that's hard is really challenging. Job really couldn't see it, but he kept his heart right. He guarded his heart. He allowed his character to grow. He allowed his character to deepen his trust for God. It says actually in his anger he did not sin. He did not let the emotional trauma affect his, uh, uh, his perspective of God in such a way that would cause him to destroy himself while he was in the crisis. And here's the thing for all of us. If promotion is going to happen in our life, we have to realize this, that God always appoints before he anoints us. 
Before he appoints us, sorry, before he appoints us, he anoints us. What I mean by that is before you sit in the seat of authority, you're already anointed for that seat of authority. You don't get anointed when you sit in the seat of authority you're called to sit in in life. And I'm talking about any sphere of influence. If you feel like you're called to have some sort of career path, you've already been anointed for it. But now you have to go through the process, it's God's promotion plan, of some of the stuff you don't like, the good, the bad, and the ugly, to actually be appointed in that place. Look at David's life. Decades went by, he was appointed, or he was anointed to be the next king after Saul. But then he went back to take care of his sheep. You know, he was fighting, fighting some animals, then he fought a giant, still didn't get promoted. Still didn't get, the, didn't get the appointing of king, but he was anointed as the next king. Some of you, you've been anointed for something so amazing, but you're wasting your life right now away complaining about the process to get to that place of appointing. And you're on the verge constantly of giving up way too prematurely. But it's part of God's promotion plan. And if you could just see that it's all good, even if it feels bad, this is part of God's promotion plan, you'll make it to the seat you're called to sit in. Because before we sit in our seat of authority, we must serve the seat of authority. You cannot sit in any seat of authority if you do not serve that seat of authority. You will not get to be the next prime minister if you aren't in a place of serving the current one. I'm just saying, you can fight back all you want and you may disagree. That isn't the point. Honor has nothing to do with agreement. If God has called you to something, you're going to go through a hard process and even at times be confused whether or not you're compromising. I'm sure Daniel, serving for 60 years in the political arena, wondered sometimes, am I compromising? Because he actually had to take on a Babylonian name. He had to look like the Babylonians. He had to study the literature of the Babylonians, which was literally New Age stuff. And yet he was promoted to lead all the ones, all the witches, the warlocks, the soothsayers, the magicians. He was the one over top of them all in the end. Because he was anointed. And he could see God's promotion plan in the process of what was uncomfortable to him. Therefore, he began to serve the seat of authority that one day he would sit in because he was anointed for it. Before we succeed in our purpose, we must stand strong in the process. Before we are promoted, we must persevere when we don't feel like it. I mean, so many of our heroes of the faith, like, they went through stuff. I love reading Hebrews chapter 11 because it's like all these guys, they, they all took the heat. Like, these guys, their, their, their reputation of faith had nothing to do, get this, with them actually succeeding in the thing that they were promised to succeed in. It had everything to do that when they died, they still believed, even though they didn't see the promise. Therefore, they were given a good reputation. Did you hear that? Your reputation is less about you sitting on the mountain and more about that when you die, you die still walking up the mountain. That's what gives you a reputation. It's not about just making it to the top of the mountain. Look, I did it. Now, these guys, they were celebrated because they actually didn't do it. Now, I'm not saying you're not going to do it. I'm just saying if you're fulfilling the fullness of what you're called to, there will be things that the next generation picks up that you didn't f fulfill. It's just part of the God's plan. It's part of legacy. 
We leave behind something, hopefully not a mess, for the next generation to pick up. We leave a solid foundation and platform to build on. That's kingdom. That's what good fathers do. Proverbs 13 says, a good, a good man leaves an inheritance for his children's children. A good man leaves an inheritance for his children's children. We see Abraham, what he went through. We see Joseph, like I mentioned earlier. And so much of all of this is all people-related. You know that the majority of all of your problems in life are people problems? The majority. Yeah, there's things that happen to us. There's sickness. There's trial, all that kind of stuff. But most of all of the problems that we face that feel like the bad and the ugly in life are somehow connected to people in life. And this is why I said earlier, like, if you want to sit in the seat of authority, you must serve the seat of authority. And part of that is serving the people around you that you may not agree with or like at times. But because God has called you, you can serve the people because God is, is number one. And in serving the people around you, you're actually, it's as, as though you're serving God. You know, the same word used to serve God and minister to God in the Hebrew when it talks about the Levites in the temple ministering to God day and night is the same word used for Joshua serving Moses. It's the same word used for Elisha walking and serving Elijah. It's the same word used for Joseph serving Potiphar, for David serving King Saul, who, by the way, wanted to kill him. And yet he served him, and he had an opportunity to basically, like, throw down on Saul and didn't. Chose not to. Because unless you serve the seat, you will not sit in the seat. And remember, the majority of the crises we face in life are connected to people. Relational equity is the most valuable asset we have on this earth. That's the reason, number one reason, why so many people on their deathbed, the number one regret that comes out of their mouth usually, I worked so hard for the money, I worked so hard for the career, and look at me, I don't even know my family. Nobody's at my bedside while I'm dying. Why do they think that way? Because relational equity is the most powerful equity on the earth. And God set it up that way. He even said about his own creation when it was just man. It's not good enough for man to be alone. I created in man a space that only a companion can fulfill. Only relationship can fulfill. This is why you need community. This is why you should sign up for a connect group. You will not make it the long haul if you don't have solid relational community, spiritual community in your life. Rogue players, independent people, when it comes to spiritual life, miss out so much. It's like being a potted plant versus planted in the garden of God. A potted plant can only grow so high and grow its roots so deep. Eventually, it's got to get out of the pot. Or eventually, it just stops growing. If you want to grow, you got to get planted in the right place. In a garden, your root systems can actually share nutrients with other root systems, and they can collaborate and grow together to be something strong. Amen. Are you hearing this this morning? Man. I heard it said like this recently. It really hit me. There are those in your corner and there are those in your circle. And I once wanted the circle, but now I want the corner. You know what the corner people are? Those that take the hits with you. 
those that can stand the pain with you, those that can stand the loss of their reputation on your behalf sometimes, those that can push through the fear, become like the rugby defense, what do we call it, a scrum, what do we call it? Is rugby a sport? <laughs> or those that when there is no glory or blessing in it for them, they can stay, stand, and fight alongside of you. This was the wrestle that the disciples had with Jesus. Because here's the thing, you are guilty by association. This is why it's so important to have people in your corner, because you're guilty by association. You know, Jesus said it like this in Matthew 10. If they hated me, they'll hate you. Here's a great promise for you guys. Give your life to me and people are going to hate you because they hated me. If you want to be liked, don't be a leader and probably don't be a, a believer in Jesus. Don't, don't let Jesus be the leader of your life. If you want to be liked in life, if you want to be liked in life, you're going to miss out on life. Just, just give up being liked today in life. Just, just give it up. I, I remember I was, I'm seeing this picture in my mind, and I remember like years ago when we were at our old building, I did an illustration which caused a lot of controversy, and I brought, we had a fight, we had like a, we, the funeral home lent us a coffin. I, I didn't even know that they'd do this. Who, who remembers this illustration? Only a few. <laughs> Shows who, uh, our church is way different now. Anyway, so we had a, <laughs> we had a coffin, it was hidden on stage, it was covered in, under a blanket, nobody knew what it was. And I had these, some of our hosting team, I had them dress up in like uh, funeral outfits, like black, white suits. Like, they look like pallbearers. But I had them like, like secretly like placed in the, this is back when we had a lot more people. And so the, the premise was is that like everything in life is about a willing sacrifice, like a willing death. Like we have to willingly get into the coffin and let things die. You know, like willingly let our ego die, willingly let, and the, the context was really about the, the gospel and letting our whole life, giving our whole life to Jesus. And, but this is what I, I'm thinking in my mind, I'm, I'm seeing this as an illustration right now even for us, is that like, imagine putting your ego, imagine putting the need for praise from other people, imagine putting your reputation, imagine putting all the things that stroke you the right way and make you feel good about yourself, putting all of that in the coffin. That's what God wants you to do in this season. And letting it go. And so at the end of the, the experience, my associate pastor at the time, I asked him, hey, can you get in the coffin? We're actually going to close it and we're going to take you out. He was he's a super laid back guy, so he had no idea. He's never been in a coffin before. I've never been in a coffin before. So, my, so, uh, we did, so, so the, the pallbearers come up at the front and they're surra they surround the coffin. They, they reveal. It's like beautiful. Like, it was like a $5,000 coffin that the funeral home lent us for a sermon illustration. I don't even know how that happened because I didn't take care of it. But anyways, so they, they're there, and, and, and we opened the coffin. And I, I was sharing this whole idea about willingly getting into the coffin. And so Joe, our associate pastor at the time, walks up on the stage. He gets into the, help him into the coffin. We closed the coffin, and the pallbearers walked him out of the church. It's awesome. Like, that wins the award for greatest sermon illustration in the world, I think. Yeah. Some people left our church after that. They were really offended. But anyways, all that to say, it was an awesome illustration. Imagine being the one, but that's, that's the picture. God wants to carry out all this stuff that stops you from seeing him in every season. And often what stops you is people-pleasing, fear of men, 
reputation? What will I look like? Jesus said this promise in Matthew 10, verse 22, all and all nations, and not even just people, all nations will hate you because you are my followers. But everyone who endures to the end will be saved. Then he goes on into verse 24. Listen to this. Students, I'm almost done. Hold on with me a little longer. Students are not greater than their teacher, and slaves are not greater than their master. Students are to be like their teacher, and slaves are to be like their master. And since I, the master of the household, have been called the prince of demons, speaking, this is Jesus speaking, I've been called the prince of demons. The members of this household will also be called even worse names. But don't be afraid of those who threaten you. Don't be afraid of those who threaten you, for the time is coming when everything that is covered will be revealed and all that is secret will be made known to all. Then in verse 28, this is how he closes it. Don't be afraid of those who want to kill your body. They cannot touch your soul. Fear only God who can destroy both soul and body in hell. The premise is this. Don't worry about the loss. Don't worry about what's going to happen. Don't worry about what they're going to say about you. You're going to go through Christ. It's all part of my promotion plan. And if you can endure to the end, you will win. You will be victorious. Be confident in who you are. Don't worry about what they're going to do to your body even because they can't touch your soul. Guard yourself. God can't promote you sometimes in a new season if you're carrying dead weight from the past season. And sometimes that dead weight are the people that are around you that are holding you back and down. Be free today. Maybe there are situations, maybe there are commitments, maybe there are circumstances for you. You cannot carry dead weight into the next season. Either defibrillate the dead weight, raise it from the dead, or let it go. Because these, the, these, are, these, are, these are some of the things that are stopping you from experiencing God's redemptive plan and his promotion in your life. I want you to stand up. Stand up with me as we, as we close here. Just, just close your eyes just for a few moments. I just feel like God wants to just do some healing work over your mind right now. I keep seeing this. It's like some of us in this room, we're just carrying still some of the pain and the hurt. It's one thing to know about the hurt, know about the pain, be familiar with it, but still carrying it. You're thinking about it. It's still there. It follows you. It affects your relationships. It affects your interactions. It affects your jobs. It affects every area of your life when it's at the forefront of your life. And I just pray today that Jesus would begin to touch that area. He'd heal that pain right now. God, I pray that you would heal that pain, that you would heal that pain, God. Heal that pain right now. Remove the pain. Don't let the pain be the thing that stops us from really fulfilling the things that you've called us to fulfill while we live. Don't let the bitterness stop us. I pray that you'd release the bitterness right now. Come on, just, just this almost as like a uh, uh, physical act of surrender. Just, just I don't know what you gotta do, just, just like throw it away. Just by faith, throw it away. Just release the bitterness. Just release the bitterness right now. Release that poison that maybe you've drunk at times hoping the other person would die and feel it but you're just killing yourself in the end. God, I pray that today there would be a supernatural wave of healing in this room in Jesus' name. God, strengthen us right now. God, give us perspective, God. Give us vision for the next season. God, give us clear insight into our future. 
into what you were doing in the future by helping us see the present and the past as part of God's redemption plan in and through our life in Jesus' name. God, we just declare it's all good. It's all good. It's all good.